Hey. 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 Thank you. Welcome to the Mocha Juice. How's it going? Can't complain. You know, Friday. Yeah, Friday is is always a good day. Um, So I think we should start off by introducing our guest. So we have a guest this week. Um, Do you want to go by AY or Avi? Either way. Both works. Okay. Cool. So AY um, is an old friend of mine. We went to college together and we thought he would be an interesting and awesome perspective to join us this week. So we are having him on our podcast and we are excited to talk to you. You want to give us an intro about yourself? Sure. Uh, Thank you. Excited to be here. Um, Went to college together basically means Angie made sure I graduated. Like that all um, yeah, I did stuff in college, figured out, and now I work in a startup. Uh, it's my second startup. Um, living in New York, living the dream, or sort of. And uh, yeah, just trying to figure out my way through life, pretending that I'm not an adult. This adulting thing is hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They did not warn me when I was a kid, like, yeah, you'll grow up, it'll be fun. No, really isn't. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's really not fun. Straight. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I think we should start, um, before we get into, so our main topic today is just, um, we we talked about um, uh, the Jewish electorate in our first episode and how the vast majority of 70% of American Jews view um, Jews Joe Biden in favorable terms and the, and they don't like Donald Trump, there is still, you know, a strong contingency of Jews in, the, in America that will vote for Donald Trump and love Donald Trump. Um, but before we get into that topic, I want to bring up something that was really interesting this week that um, not many people are familiar with this, but Jeremy Corbyn, who was uh, part of the labor party in the UK was suspended um, because a uh, a report came out that he failed to respond to anti-Semitism in his party. And this also comes after uh, many accusations on Corbyn of anti-Semitism, um, anti-Semitic remarks that he's made, uh, a lot mainly re- related to Israel because he's he is an anti-Zionist. Like he's not going to hide the fact that he, he says that he's an anti-Zionist, uh, but also just kind of like, peddling some weird conspiracy theories of Jews controlling the world, like very questionable things where he like clearly knows what he's doing, but toes the line between like, this is anti-Semitic and this is questionable. Um, so, uh, I mean, Angie, I'm glad that something was done about it. I don't know why it, cause it sounds like there was a lot of history behind this. So I'm not really sure why it took so long, but I'm glad it's happening. I mean, it's, it's a shame to hear this. And regardless of the fact that he might be anti-Zionist, which is, you know, up for, for him to decide what he is and up for everybody to decide if they are pro-Zionist or anti-Zionist, um, I feel like it's, you know, being anti-Semitic or, or, or allowing anti-Semitism to, to occur and not really taking action on it is so much, it's so harsh, you know, it's not, I can't even like, um, I can't even bring the, those two thoughts together, you know, like you could be anti-Zionist, that's totally cool, but to be, um, and to, to accept anti-Semitism is just, is just beyond me. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that that, that happened. Yeah, I'm glad also. And I think it's just like a, uh, you know, wake up call yeah. for the left, like get your shit together. Like some of your weird conspiracy theories yeah. like, are not up for discussion, you know? And like, and also like we all need to, they and all of us need to learn to have a healthier discussion on Israel, I think. Um, but just saying like, you know, me, I, I, I used to get shit from leftists because I'm just Israeli, you know, like, you know, my, my, their opinion on me has been made up. So like, th- these are things that need to change about the left. I will say that someone like Bernie Sanders in the United States is not like Jeremy Corbyn at all. Like he has a very balanced view on Israel, even though a lot of people on the right will say that he's an anti-Semite or he's a self-hating Jew, like Bernie Sanders, like he even said he was a Zionist and he's like, I just want Israel to be, you know, a better place for everyone living there. So I think there's a different, definitely like a difference in 
in language that Bernie uses versus uh, Jeremy Corbyn in yeah, regards to Israel and Palestine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's dive into our um, first uh, topic, our topic for the episode, which is uh, the Jews that do uh, support Trump and they are voting for Trump. And um, the reason for this episode is because Angie and I kind of grew up conservative. Uh, obviously, we're not conservative anymore, but a lot of our family members are supporting Trump, both here and we get angry messages from Israelis, family and friends saying, why the hell are you voting for Joe Biden? <laughs> Where they just <laughs> like, you don't live here. So can you not can you stay out of our elections, please? Uh, so the reason why we brought AY, AY on is because um, in 2016, he voted for Trump. And he is not going to vote for Trump this election, but he's going to be voted. voting for a third party. No, and I'm actually, actually going to be voting right? on election day because okay. the poll is under my house. So it makes more sense for me to walk down and then vote rather than wait in lines. Sure. <laughs> yep, that's, that's the goal. Show up in pajamas. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we want to give you the, before we dive into why Jews, um, specifically vote for Trump, we want to give you the platform to, dis- uh, to explain why you initially voted for Trump in 2016 and why you're not going to vote yeah. for Trump um, this time around. So ideologically, I've always leaned libertarian and sort of classify myself as a pseudo libertarian. Um, for those listening who aren't really familiar with the libertarian party and the libertarian views, basically it's keep government out of my shit and let me do whatever the hell I want. And it breaks down to basically staying away from big government. Um, people are smart enough to make their own decisions for a variety of things, um, open markets, open commerce. And we see, and you can, you know, you can break it down from all the way from healthcare, all the way through to, um, you know, incarceration to trade, how these policies, in my opinion, um, make the most sense. The closest we have to libertarianism today from an economic standpoint is the um, Republican Party, I guess, um, economically speaking, um, trade, but then they lean very conservative religiously. Um, So, you know, that's where you get that balance. Um, in 2016, my vote was, I wanted to change the establishment. I've always, I think politics is a dirty game. It's a game that has to be played and it's a dirty game, but nothing gets done. Um, well, yes, there've been some policy changes. We haven't really seen major, major policy changes in the past. I want to say 15 years. That's what I know. I haven't looked, you know, not looking back to the Reagan era or whatever, but since Clinton wasn't president, we have in office. We haven't really had a huge social security policy change. Obama did, you know, did Obamacare, but that didn't change a whole lot. I mean, it changed a little bit, but you know, the system was still broken. Um, and so when Trump came came around, it was for me. Let's give someone who's an outsider a chance. Let's give someone who, you know, if you get past his bravado and you know his coarse attitudes, you know. That was less than of a of a precursor of mine. It was this guy's a businessman. He, you know, say how you want about how he made his money or, you know, did he declare bankruptcy or not declare bankruptcy? Those are business, very, you know, sound business decisions. Um, whether we agree with them or not, that's, you know, he's not the only he's not the first and won't be the last to do them. And my opinion was at the time, let's give him a shot. What's the worst that can happen? And what's your opinion now on, on any of his policies? Um, or I think trade, you know, if I, my major voting things, it, it's hard. I'll tell you, be honest, because there's things I lean liberal on, things I lean conservative on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as do, I would argue, 99.9% of people. Not No one is all liberal, all conservative, unless you're very, you know, very small sect of society. And even then, when you break it down, they're not really, but they're just easier to say they are. Um, I think some of his policies, like his trade policies, have done very mm-hmm. well for the economy. This has been one of the strongest economies we've seen. 
Um, unemployment has gone down, but also employment has gone up, which is a very important distinguish to make, distinguishment to make because, and Angie will remember this from our econ classes, but unemployment is only the amount of people who are search, actively searching for jobs. If you're not actively searching for job, a job, you're not considered unemployed. So you can be on welfare and not be counted as unemployed. Um, which is a just an interesting distinction to make that employment has gone up and unemployment has gone down, which basically shows that effect that more people are actually getting jobs and not just sitting at home. Uh, Pre-COVID. COVID is a, well, that was pre- COVID's pre-COVID. a very, COVID's, I want to put COVID aside right yeah. now uh, because it, it brings its own set of challenges okay, that I don't no think problem. anyone answers really. Um, but COVID aside, up to COVID, you know, okay. economy is doing great. Um, there was a lot of social unrest, but I think that that was way be, that was starting before and it, it gained more and more power. And I think COVID amplified it a lot more. Um, but I think the social unrest was good. People were finally standing up for what they believed in, you know, say that Trump was the precursor or not. You have organizations that came up and start changing things. These conversations that were always on the back burner are now forefront, um, which I think is very important for any society. Um, and then, you know, defense, he was trying to take our troops out of different wars, didn't necessarily succeed, but he was trying, which is ideal. We want to keep a strong military, but not need to use it. Um, and then, yeah, everything else was, you know, sort of state status quo. A lot of things I hoped that would happen didn't. I had high hopes for healthcare. Nothing really changed. I had high hopes for, um, Immigration, nothing really changed. Um, there, there was some change, but nothing like that you would say, okay, wow, he did something amazing. Or he did something. I don't think he really did anything. What, what were your high hopes for immigration and for healthcare? Um, healthcare, I think the whole system needs to be completely redone. Um, it's broken and there's no policy that can change it. Um, if you think about, so it's actually really funny. I was listening to Joe Jorgensen a bit more in preparation for this call, just to you know beef up a little bit on her policies and nail them down. And the way she describes healthcare is amazing. Right now, for healthcare, you're prepaying for your doctor. You're not getting insurance. You're prepaying for a doctor. Versus when you get car insurance, you're not adding your price of gas. You're not adding oil changes. You're not adding all those routine things you do, you're getting insurance in case you're in an accident, which means that a insurance companies try keeping prices low because they want to, you know, it's very competitive. And also gas stations try keeping their prices low. Oil change places have to keep their prices low because they have to be competitive with the guy next door who can undermine them in a second. With health, health insurance, you're prepaying for health for your doctor's visits. And so no one is incentivized to lower their rates. Um, and that when you bring that up to single payer, you know, single payer policy, you're not going to get lower rates because so, either way you're fighting the bill, whether it's through higher taxes or through the fact that they have no incentive incentive to lower the insurance companies have no incentive to lower their rates. Um, I was sort of hoping there would be a they'd allow multi, multiple players to come in, which would effectively lower insurance rates and make it more affordable for everyone. That's uh, an insurance and healthcare. Okay. Um, immigration, I want it to be more of a, mm-hmm. a standard, I think is the best way to, to put it. Um, I'm all mm-hmm. for immigration. You know, in, in the end of the day, immigrants are some of the best workforce in any country and the biggest driver of wealth, um, especially second and third generations. Um, but I do think there needed to be more, mm-hmm. more of an oversight. Right. You can't you can't just let anyone and everyone in and you can't not let anyone in. So there needs to be some sort of clear policy that didn't come about. Um, but I you know, I, I do think there should be a process that if you want to immigrate to any country, you have to follow this process. Um, I mean, Israel has it. Most most Western countries have the process. Um, and you what, uh-huh. ha- what happens is you become when you have too much immigration, you end up harming people your citizens at the time 
Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that's an interesting point. I think um, I kind of agree with some of your statements. Um, not necessarily all of them. Uh, but yeah, I think like even having like Israeli friends that moved to Canada versus moved to here, there's just a clear difference mm-hmm. in like how the process is. There's a standardized process where in the United States, it's like, well, it's, yeah. you know, it could take forever or could not, you know, whereas like there, there's like, this is the amount of time it's going to take. This is what you need to do. This is what like the citizenship test requires. Like, like in America, it just gets progressively and progressively harder, which is a deterrent for like educated people to come to the United States and work yeah. or even non-educated 100%. people, but to work hard as well. Um, I do have a question for you. Um, and this might, and it's, it's kind of related. It, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it might be more of a libertarian policy of Trump's um, his tax cuts. Were you a fan? Do you have criticisms of it? I'm always a big fan of tax cuts. Um, here's, Here's the thing. Capitalism and libertarianism sort of go along the same lines. Capitalism just has more government oversight. Um, But if you think about it, when you reduce taxes on a company, it incentivizes them to hire more people and spend more money. End of day. When I when I give you more money in your wallet, you're going to spend more money, which fuels the economy. So if you think about it from a holistic perspective, yes, I reduced your taxes which then means you are able to um, spend more money at the store, which means that shop owner now has to hire someone else, which means now that person's getting a salary and that cycle sort of continues. Um, I also believe that government is inept at doing most things um, that, uh, you know, private companies can do a lot better. And that's everything from road work to, you know, community services so i you know again Mm -hmm. this isn't foolproof and there's a reason a libertarian president has not been elected um for for a variety (laughs) of reasons but one of them it's very it's not foolproof i'm the first to admit that um my reason for voting libertarian for one of the first times in my life is mainly to just voice my dissent with both parties um and this is the only mm-hmm. way I know how. Um, but if you reduce taxes, I believe, and you tell people, hey, instead of paying for a police force, donate to your community, we would see a lot less officer-involved shootings. We'd see a lot better communities. If you tell people, don't, you know, your taxes are actually going to, you know, you you have to pay these taxes, but you can decide how to pay them to who. Yeah, you'll have some people who don't pay taxes who are the same people who don't pay taxes now. But you'd actually give money to your community organizers who can help with homelessness, who can help with uh, underprivileged kids, that these are the real problems in society. I believe. Interesting. That's interesting. Um, I think my Mm -hmm. last question related to uh, this is um, if you were living, because you live in New York now, if you were living in a swing state like Florida or Pennsylvania. I don't think so. Would your vote Um, change? I, I thought about it. But again, I no? just okay. put this way, I was living in New York in 2016 and I voted and I voted for Trump. My vote didn't really count. Um, it's not like your vote really counts mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, <laughs> but at least this at least this way, if you know, I can I can make yeah. that my voice known and not just, you know. Yeah, you're going to sleep better. Yeah, at night. right, right. I, I also think that um, I mean, I'm, I'm really praying that eventually in the next decade or two whatever we get rid of a we find a way to expand you know to beyond two parties have like more than a two-party system in the united states but also to just eliminate the electoral college where you can yeah you know your vote that would be awesome matter yeah uh yeah i mean i'm hoping that you know america does change um and it might i mean there's a lot of pressure i mean to do so right now. I think a lot of people are fed up with the two party system. And I think also like me, who's more on the left, I'm more to the left than your basic Democrat. So there's no, the closest party that exists for me is the democratic party. And the reason I'm voting for Democrats is because that's what, you know, they're like kind of, you know, I want a Coke, but they're, they're like um, a sugar-free diet, (laughs) 
caffeine-free flat version of Coke. And I'm like, I mean, I'm, right, well, I'm thirsty. I'm the same so, way. I mean, like, when I vote Republican, it's not, yeah. it doesn't mean I, you know, I, there are a lot of yeah. things I believe that need to happen. Like I'll take gay marriage for an example. Mm-hmm. I am for yeah. gay marriage. I'm for all equality right. that does, but my vote went to Republicans, not because of that. Mm-hmm. In, dis, in basically in spite of that, because the other policies trumped, you know, the, mm-hmm. some of these policies, which is just such a hard thing to make, such a hard decision to make and such a hard, um, you know, nitpicky thing to say, well, I like this, but I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. But you only have two parties who do that. And you can't. Exactly. And, and they're two parties of coalitions, basically, where you have like, you know, everything on the right from the extreme right to kind of like the center moderate right, which is the Republican. And then you have like everything on the left, which is the center to the very, very progressive left. Um, and it's just like, mm-hmm. there are multiple, it, it, there are multiple factions in each party, multiple belief systems. And it's like, oh, we got to like, kind of compromise on all of them. Yeah. And I also think the part, the parties have definitely changed guns. a lot over the years. I mean, <clears throat> if you look at Bill Clinton, he was the most Republican mm-hmm. Democrat there is. I mean, like today, if he was running, he'd probably be, I don't want to put words in you know his mouth, but if you look at his policy back then, very, very, you know, right-leaning policies when it comes to, you know, trade and military economy. Mm-hmm. But he was a Democrat, and that has, that has sort of shifted. Um, it's really become a, you know, now it's just me against you. Two years, four years ago, the Democrats like, let's, you know, everyone, we have to get out of the wars, mm-hmm. get out of the wars. And then Trump's like, well, we need to get out of Iraq. Like, no, 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 we need to stay. Like, it doesn't matter what one party says. The other party's just going to say the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there is no policy anymore. Mm-hmm. I would argue that there is policy, and that's one of the reasons why I'm voting for Democrats, but there's, it's just a watered-down version of what I want. Like, Biden's health plan is, like, a very watered-down version of what I want. It's better than yeah, I hear that. not having it, but it's not what I want. That's my that's my viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's. Um, I think it'd be interesting to get your perspective on like Angie and I have experience dealing with our family and friends in Israel that are pro Trump. Um, but I definitely we should discuss the reasons why the small subset of American Jews are very, very, very pro Trump. Um, and I think obviously yeah, the main I think one it's is Israel, Israel, and I think you break it like this: a lot of Jews. And you really have to understand when you're saying Jews, right? The, the Jewish population, as you know, is vast. The non, right. I'll, I'll split into like the non-religious, and that's everything right. from conservative all the way to non-denominational Jew. And then you have the religious, which is everything from, you know, mm-hmm. maybe keep Shabbat to ultra-Orthodox. Um, the non-religious in general in the right. U.S. lean Democrat. Um, for... I don't, there's a variety of reasons. Um, they're more socially conscious. They're mainly in, in blue states in general. Uh, if you think about that, you don't have huge, huge pockets of Jews mm-hmm. in the middle of Montana. You have them in New York and California. Um, right. So that's like the non, and you know, when you're do, looking at polls and polls never are never really accurate, but in general, a lot of, a lot of the more, liberal Jews lean left and that's just for all the, all the policies. And then you have the religious Jews, which in generally lean Republican and it's not necessarily Trump. I mean, these, these are the same people who voted for Bush, um, you know, both times they're the same people who voted for right. any other Republican candidate. They just vote Republican. Israel is a big part of it. Um, they are very Zionistic from a conceptual point of view and, these are the same people who would send their kids to gap years in Israel to go to the army. Um, like the kids who volunteer, they come from these sort of families. Um, whereas the non, the non-religious Jews do less, have less of that. I'd say from a, from a major, from majority standpoint in that sect, they less lean towards that. They, you know, they support Israel quote unquote, or they call themselves Zionists, but it's not the, I would say the traditional form of Zionism. And I think Bernie Sanders falls into that category where he calls himself a Zionist, but it's 
if you know like Israel politics, it's like um merit Zionists. Wait, so I'm sorry. So we're so you're also putting me in this pool of people that you don't consider Zionists, essentially. You're a unique person, Angie. I wouldn't put I can't put you in any pool. I mean <laughs> you're you're an, you're, you're an I'm enigma. A... Um <laughs> I'm a merit supporting. No, I think that this is an important point to make, right? Because I think that people like like yeah, myself yeah. exist, right? We're also merit supporting and we could, and I don't, you know, Bernie wasn't my first choice. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to put that, you know, to the side, but, um, but I don't think that it's necessarily fair to, to compass into, you know, into this thought that we were semi anti-Zionist. Um, you're right. Um, I think, but if you look at it from a, cultural standpoint if you ask the general israeli public are merits people zionists they'll say no they hate israel or if you ask like likud who are considered the zionistic party or um the religious parties not the haredi ones but the you know like the the what's its name i'd say israel yeah. yeah we'll go with Bennett. no if you ask yeah, them Mer- or, or merits people maybe. zionists they'll say no they hate israel they should go sit with the arabs so okay and I think that that, that that view that you have right now is very, very, very much changing. It's not so, so you're, I mean, I, I respect that and I get it, but I think that what you're saying right now is, is something that's very much changing in Israel, especially, um, especially recently now with all of the protests and everything that are happening around Bibi. I think that people are really starting to look differently at what it means 100%. to be a Zionist and that. And that saying that you're against the occupation or calling out the occupation in a sense, or even talking about Palestinians or saying that Palestinians deserve a country, suddenly people are even more open to talking about the fact that they're okay with a two-state solution. And they're not as scared to bring it up anymore because there are more people that they realize approve that idea. And and they're starting to feel more comfortable with it. A hundred percent. It's it's funny, I'll tie into what you you started the... The podcast with um, talking about the Labour Party in, in England, there's a subtle shift worldwide mm-hmm. of basically out with the old and with the new. Um, and in Europe, that's out with the left and mm-hmm. in with the right. And it's everything from France all the way to England um, and beyond. Basically, right wing parties are on the rise. And these sort of things, what you know labor being anti-semitic was completely tolerated you know jews in england were accepted that everyone's anti-semitic and the fact that they're calling someone out on it is huge um in the u.s it's a the the divide is just growing and like there's going to be some sort of crazy explosion whether on the elections after elections or two years down the line but there's going to be a great shift um and in israel it's happening as well people are saying you know what it was always Likud, Likud, Likud. Then it was, well, we don't really have anyone else. To now it's, we don't care anymore. No one is working. Fix it. And maybe it's because of the way we're putting our voice and people are starting to change their voices to right. reflect that. They're, trying, they're starting, to stand, tr- starting to stand up a bit more um, holistically rather than just focusing on one aspect. So just to bring it back onto the original topic of, uh, first of all, that was very interesting um, of why these Jews uh, support Trump. You kind of broke it down for us. I will add a few more people into that kind of overview of, of the Jewish electorate in the United States. So you have the Israeli Americans um, who kind of, I don't think they fall into, like I went to conservative synagogue growing up but i didn't you know it was just because it was there it was jewish like my parents threw me into something that was jewish not necessarily like you know they're 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 israeli they're not like religious or secular they're israeli and and we're also mizrahi so mizrahi families uh new jersey has like a lot of mizrahi israeli families and ashkenazi israeli families and i feel like even by town like you have tenafly which is more ashkenazi you have a lot more like people who worked as doctors and lawyers and worked in tech and professors. And they, I would say leaned more liberal. I wouldn't necessarily say Democrat, but definitely more liberal. And then you have a town like Fairlawn where Angie grew up, where it's a lot more Mizrahi. And then you have people who own, you know, small businesses that, you know, like locksmiths and restaurants and, 
we we know a guy that has a, a air conditioning company and apparently he does air conditioning for celebrities um um so um they tend to be more conservative i mean still socially liberal mm-hmm. because israelis are socially liberal in a sense n- at least non-religious ones um but they will always vote republican and they love 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 trump and they'll add also other mizrahi communities in um, specifically in the new york area you have syrian um and you have persian and yeah. they also tend to be more religious and isolated so they would probably fall under like modern yeah that's Orthodox, good and i, th- so I think also a like yeah. a lot of the it'd be very interesting a lot of these israelis that have moved to the u.s um even if they were more like in israel more liberal they end up leaning more conservative here and i think that there's a it becomes mm-hmm. a pride aspect of like, oh, I'm Israeli, which means I need to defend Israel at any cost, which then turns into, okay, I need to support the right, which then, you know, right. it sort of becomes this like snowball effect of, I may have voted, you know, I may have voted Democrat if I had would just grown up in the U.S. And if I, you know, had just moved here from Israel and I was voting, I would vote Democrat maybe the first election. But then, you know, okay, now I have to defend Israel, which means I'm starting to, you know, say these things about me. And there's always that thing of the more you talk about something the more you start believing it and you get into your head and then it just becomes sort of a a snowball effect i would say Mm -hmm. again this is not tested or scientifically studied but no i think it makes a lot of sense i think another aspect of it is and as i mentioned like a lot of these israelis who move here and my family included like all my uncles each uncle has their Mm -hmm. own business you know like they're very business oriented and the republican party is very much you know, yeah, or has labeled itself as like the party of business. Um, so, you know, t- tax cuts for one, you know, but like this idea of like, you know, I-, I came here with $20 in my pocket and I built this business from scratch and like, I'm very successful and I've employed all these people. I- I- that's another aspect of it. Like they care about making money and a lot of them work in, in industries like real estate or, or, um, you know, um, yeah, real estate specifically, some in jewelry, whatever. But these are industries that um, have a, can have a negative yeah, effect. And on real estate is a very good example of an industry that's heavily affected by different regulations, and we're seeing it in New York. Yeah. And you know, just to get background, I'm I'm in the real estate tech industry, mm-hmm. so I'm dealing with you know large landlords and sometimes small ones, mm-hmm. but you know, keep I'm very deep dive into the industry, and it's it's crazy in the difference of what policies can do to affect the long-term longevity of like these businesses. And it makes sense. You're going to vote for, you know, what you care about. And unfortunately, and I I look at this worldwide, people vote with their wallets and your vote always comes out of your wallet. And if you're in an industry that's going to be affected one way or another, most, most, more often than not, you're going to vote for that party that represents your interests um israelis there's a reason bb rose to power um he was and he's an he's an economist he's an economist he changed israel's economy when he was the minister of finance he literally brought israel to a zero deficit like to balance he balanced the budget people were like okay this guy's amazing he was in sarah matzkal so he knows defense. Let's give him a shot. And he did okay. And then it just became no one else could beat him. And now we have what we have. But. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. That's pretty much the situation with Israel. where We can't get rid of him. Like he was fine. And I almost voted for him once as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, he also went off the deep end and kind of went a little. Fair, I've, I, well, I've never like voted for BB, but that's only because that. I was trying to play the um, pop, the what the coalition game, trying to make him lean in areas that I believed he should lean in. Um, but if it was, you know, which is the Israeli right. way to do it, which is the yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I think also in terms of the economy, it's like. You know, coming as an immigrant to the United States, um, you're you're kind of especially during like our parents' generation where you could have the American dream. It was, you know, it definitely plays into the nationalism, nationalistic aspect of it. It's like 
I'm an American. I built a business. I'm pro-America, 100%. Yeah. Anyone who disagrees with me is anti-American. Um, so as I was saying, like, there's obviously a sense of nationalism um, where, you know, a lot of, like, specifically my uncles who, like, came here with nothing to start a business, follow the American dream, and they're, they're huge patriots of the United States, and they have this idea of this unbreakable bond between Israel and the United States and, and the values between Israel and the United States and Judeo and his uh, Judeo-Christian values that exist in the Republican Party, where it's um, you have uh, and my uncle even sent me like a message saying, well, we have to be more like the evangelical Christians. I'm, like, I'm gay. Please. No, I'm gay. <laughs> um and my family is not homophobic at all. Yeah. You know, but they just didn't really see that connection of like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> I'm gay. Uh, but for Trump, Trump basically did whatever they wanted for Israel. You know, like they wanted to move the embassy to Jerusalem and he did that. They wanted peace with the Gulf states and they, he did that, and and you know he they wanted out of the Iran deal, and he and he did that as well. So, I mean, that that is what they wanted, and they got it. They got it at all costs, but they got you know they're that hard right on Israel when they live in the United States. They got what they wanted. Like there's no there's no beating around that. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Tough topics. I, I know. I mean, Angie, your dad is probably in love um, with Trump, right? I don't know how he feels anymore about everything that's going on, if I'm being honest. I think that he's also at the point where he's just kind of sick of it all. And he also, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's fair to say that a lot of the things that Trump said that he would do ahead of time, he didn't actually do. So I feel like there are things that he obviously has recognized that Jews and Israelis in general appreciate, right, everything that happened with the Golan Heights and recognizing Jerusalem as the capital, um, everything they did when it came to Iran and pulling out of um, uh, the uh, Iran nuclear agreement um, that they had in place, Mm -hmm. um, the order that he signed on anti-Semitism, obviously the fact that he has no relationship um, with the Palestinian Authority. Um, and that he signed these right. uh, BS treaties or peace plans with countries that nobody was at business war with. deals. Yeah. Um, business. business deals. Um, yeah. So business. I think that, you know, there's obviously some reasons for them to look at him and say, okay, this is the person that we want to vote for. And also because they're generally just scared of having a Democrat, right? Like this has happened before and they're just concerned right. that it's going to happen again. And they're going to try to push for um, a two-state solution, or they're going to try to push for uh, for you know Israel to have to pull out of um, their settlements in the West Bank. Um, so I think that that's you know that's that's scary for Israelis. That's scary for many Jews, and and some folks are very concerned about that. Um, and that's a fair thing to be concerned about when you're going to go and vote for a right. Democrat. I get it. Um, so, but I at the same time, right? There's still so many issues um that are in my eyes much more you know pressing to me right now um that I'm more concerned about than I am about what's going to happen there you know I don't think that the next president is going to um or should in any way focus their energy on foreign policy right now like there's so much internally happening in our country that we need to take care of that the last thing that we should be concerned about right now is foreign policy um Right. Or at least just cleaning up some of the damage that Trump did and then like focusing yeah. on the American yeah. people in terms of like bringing America back to where, you know, it's former political right. allies abroad. I I will also say this. So like Biden, Biden and Kamala are pretty center to center. Right. And maybe AY disagrees with me, but on Israel, like Kamala's husband's Jewish. She's she's attended APAC. I'm pretty sure Biden will attend APAC as well at some point. Like they're not, or he might have already. I'm I didn't look that up. Um, like they're not nearly anti-Israel, but Biden will want to enter re-enter the Iran deal. And on top of that, they are like you said, they are scared of the Democratic Party. And like the difference between 
you know, the Obama era and now is that progressives like AOC and Bernie and all of them have entered the Democratic Party and have shifted it a little to the left. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to end aid to Israel. It doesn't mean they're going to be pro BDS or anything like, but because they're like four to eight people in the Democratic Party that are, are like not pro Israel, they see that as a threat. Right. You know, or or just like even individuals, like you have like Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, like like these are people that will go to bat for Israel. Like they love Israel. They are very, very, mm-hmm. very pro Israel. Like to a point that turns progressives off. Like this is a yeah. point of contention, but they are still the party. Like AOC is just a small voice on the party. Now she's not a Zionist in any sense, but she's not going to say Israel should be destroyed or Israel shouldn't exist. She's going to say we need to reach. You know, I support freedom for the Palestinians. Doesn't mean that Jews or Israeli Jews should not should be their lives should be in danger. But she's not necessarily saying that she supports the existence of a Jewish state. But she's not saying right. like also. She I mean, regardless of the fact that these people want to do good for Israel, they want people's votes, right? So more than anything, they want Jews to vote for right. them, um, and they want progressive Jews to vote for them. They want folks that you know, and and I guess in in some sense, I'd even assume that it's mostly. Their targets are Ashkenazi Jews, right? They're looking for people who, you know, will, will align with them on a lot of things, um, and um, and hopefully care about about the things that we care about more. And um, and on that end, it's it's climate change, right? You can't deny the fact that a lot of the things that Trump has done in the last mm-hmm. few um, in the last few years, he withdrew from the the um, Paris Climate Agreement. He rolled back on a lot of right. um, Obama climate protections. He allowed companies. Um, to face fewer penalties for air and water pollution. Um, he signed mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the Great American Outdoors Act um, that used uh, royalties from offshore oil and gas drillings to, to maintain national parks. I mean, there's just, there's a lot going on there. Um, and I feel like a lot of that is a lot more interesting, especially to, to Ashkenazi Jews that at the end of the day, you know, um, yeah. are probably, uh, uh, for most of the part, uh, not doing poorly at this time. Um, no, they're and, not. You know, they're thinking about a lot of other things that aren't necessarily foreign policy. They're thinking about, um, you know, what's actually happening in their countries right now. No, I, I agree. I mean, like AY said, like the majority of Ashkenazi Jews are confined to New York, New Jersey, and California. And also, I would say Florida, which is like where some of the Israelis live and why Florida is like such a complicated state. Um, but a lot of the, Ash- you know, you have like a subset of Ashkenazi Jews that moved from New York to Florida and they're all, yeah. they're all Democrat, you know? And then you have the Israelis living in Aventura who, who like have um, a Lamborghini with uh, Trump and Netanyahu's yeah. oh, face Oh, this on week it. was insane. There were like clashes <laughs> in Times Square between Oh, yeah. yeah, Jews for it Trump. Was, yeah, exactly. It was insane. Yeah, exactly. And also, over the weekend, I was actually out in Brooklyn, and I um, and there was a whole group of folks that are Trump supporters with their pickup trucks, and they were driving through the cemetery and, like, like honking their horns, and they had, and it was just like, first of all, it's so disrespectful. Um, let's keep the, the dead out of this, folks. Um, and I just right. felt like it was so weird that they were just, you know, doing this and driving around like places, you know, lines where people were standing outside waiting to vote, just um, just yelling at them and stuff that just doesn't make anybody feel comfortable and is super awkward. And let's not drive through cemeteries and honk <laughs> our horns because there's nothing funny about that. No, I, I agree with you. And also, I think there's just been I think these kind of incidences fuel kind of some circle of hate where you have like I, I correct me if I'm wrong there were like some leftists yeah. like throwing rocks at like the Jews for Trump cars and so that made like you know like it gets sent around on WhatsApp like with all the Israelis who use WhatsApp and like my family is like sending videos like could you see these leftists they're so anti-Semitic and it's like they probably were and not saying that these people would you know have favorable views on Jews but they or negative fa- uh, views on Jews but you know, they were throwing rocks because the car said Trump, you know what I mean? Like, like they, they're kind of, there's kind of this cycle of hate happening in New York specifically where, you know, you have like 
ultra orthodox Jews that are refusing to follow the rules for COVID, yet they're you know COVID spiking in their in their specific areas, and then they're crying anti-Semitism, um, um, and then these videos of like you know you sent me this video this week of of a um a if a yeshiva in Brooklyn that was getting a summons because they were claiming that the yeshiva was operating when the owner of the yeshiva is like come in I'll show you there is right. no one in this yeshiva and. And, and like, this is also, like, a lot of this blame is on, like, de Blasio's administration and Cuomo's administration. Like, I think they failed. They truly failed, like, reaching out to these communities because they're very sensitive communities. But you're going to cry anti-Semitism if you're going to... They are crying anti-Semitism um, the moment, like, anyone right. touches them. I mean, them. and to be fair, so I think that a lot of it also started... Um, when, when everything was going on and, and everything happened with George Floyd and, um, and you started to see the protests right. that were going on, uh, the Orthodox Jews got really, really, really agitated, um, thinking that all of these people are now out on the streets, you know, they're in some way, you know, getting together and able to protest together, but we can't open up the parks to be able to play at the park. You know, our kids can't go to the park and be able to play. Um, and that's really what right. this this divide was right like why why weren't they able to do mm -hmm. that so you started to see all of these um all these folks in 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 religious neighborhoods in brooklyn going out and you know cutting up the because they they put chains around the, the doors to lock them up for the parks um and you saw them just cutting them up and letting their kids run around um and then you started to just see this this rise of hate between them and and this you know the cops getting involved in it um, and it was it was a big deal. And it was also I mean, a lot of that is to blame on Cuomo and de Blasio um, that continue. Right. Cuomo loves to continue to talk about his wonderful relationship um, with with Jewish leaders. But I don't I don't understand um, in what universe he's really living, if I'm being perfectly frank. Um, and he's just. Yeah. I mean, I think. he. No, yeah. Sorry. No, I think he's OK. I think de Blasio fucked up. But I think I think de Blasio, like, you know, he's he's said shit before in the past that I, I'm just like, he he managed to like in a tweet once single out the Jewish community as a whole and not specify like the specific ultra orthodox community that had like a funeral during the height of COVID, and you know it did cause like some anti semitism in the in the city where like people were like, oh those Jews are sp yeah. spreading COVID. Like the Jews are not following the rules. And it's like, it's very complicated. It's very complicated to explain because you also don't want to, I don't want to come out bashing the ultra orthodox. Yeah, but I think that Cuomo did the exact but, same thing. Yeah. Cuomo in the last few weeks, he's been coming mm -hmm. out and in his, you know, every few days where he gets on and he starts talking. Um, he also has been giving his spiel about, you know, I've spoken to our friends in the orthodox community and like, you know, singled them out on a regular basis um, which hasn't, mm -hmm. which hasn't made anybody feel good. And I feel like it's been brought up so many times that the more that you just single them out, the more it's going to lead to tension. And it's, and we already have this huge spike in anti-Semitism that what you're doing is just not helping the situation at all. Um, and you're not, you're not talking to them in, their, in their language. You're not talking to them in the right way. You're just not approaching it in the best way possible. Um, and I think that they failed in, in many ways in New York. Um, and you know, they, that video that I sent you again, it was, it was probably like a three, one, one call or something along those lines. She was even saying in the right. video, I got this list of all of these places that are open. Um, and I just had to come and give you guys a summons. And, and he, you know, he, he flat out looked at her and was like, but there are no kids here. Like walk through this entire yeshiva and right. there are no children here. It's just administration. Um, and I felt like that, you know, it, it just proves it. Because when I place a three, because it's insane. I place a 311 uh, message just telling them, you know, like, um, there's a bar near me in the beginning of the pandemic. There were still bars near me that were open. Um, and you had people hanging out outside, mm -hmm. like laughing about COVID, not wearing masks. And this was back in like late March, early April. Um, and I was right. doing a 311 call. And then, you know, I get a, an alert on the app. Oh, um, you know, somebody went over there at like... 7am or something saw that there was nothing there so they left and it's like who goes to a bar to check if it's open at 7am bro like what was like who, what did you think the morning beers at seven o'clock in the morning at a bar you know <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, i'm just 
I'm all for morning so, beers. But, like, you have no problem just, like, going to all these schools and saying, okay, well, I have this list of yeshivas in, in Burr Park or in Flatbush that, you know, are, we've been told that there are kids there, so let me just go and give them off summons without even checking it. But you check out this bar at freaking 7 a.m. I don't know what to tell you. Just weird. Uh, no, I, I, I told you, it's a mess. And, like, what it's doing is it's causing um, this kind of weird cycle where a lot of people – are are feeling like Jews are being singled out because in that specific instance, Jews are being singled out. And so they're shared, like these videos are shared all over WhatsApp without any context. And, you know, like, then you have people like my uncle who are like, there's a little, like there's a war between like, you know, the city and the Jews and like the oh. ultra leftist anarchists and the Jews. No, and, so like, John, like, I, I got there's, those there's messages. Some, sorry, the, you want to assist me? There's the height of the Breonna Taylor protests and all that. My mom, who's living in Israel, very right-wing, Israeli-American, um, right? She was born in Israel, grew up in the States, but a lot of Israeli family. She considers herself Israeli, um, very, very right-wing. And she like, sent me these messages of like, well, why was she hanging out? Why her boyfriend mm-hmm. was a drug dealer? She should have known better and stuff like that. And then she'll go along the lines of, well, they have these Black, these black Lives Matter protests. Right. No one's protesting Blame- for the Jews. Yeah. No one's caring. And, and there's that becomes a descent of, and this is where it goes back to why people vote Trump, I believe, is you have a lot of it from a, you know, they feel that there's no one protecting them from the left, right? There's no, there's no, it's like, if you're Jewish, you're bad, yes. but if you're doing anything else, you're good. I don't agree with that, but I'm saying that's, that's sort of the vibe I've been getting from a lot of my family, uh, both in the States and in Israel. I, I agree. I think I've been getting the same vibe from my family as well. It's like, you know, everyone's focusing on yeah. all these other minorities, but like no one's focusing on the Jews. You know what I mean? And and the truth of the matter is anti-Semitism has been on the rise over the past four years. And I think it's the largest, you know, Jews are the uh, most targeted religious group. It, in the it makes States sense. Right if I'm, from if I'm correct, it's I don't very, know if that is correct. It's funny, using the self-hating Jew in me. Yeah. You know, the policies that Hitler had, and, and not his policies, but his viewpoint, is sort of true. The Jewish mm-hmm. people have always figured out how to be the top of everything. If you look at, you know, who are the tops of industry, who are the, you know, in pretty much any country, but especially in the U.S., the Jewish people hold very, very prominent positions as CEOs, as head, you know, in funds, and not even not necessarily, not necessarily religious Jews, but just people who are Jewish in general. Um and so it's very hard for them to say, oh, we're a persecuted right, right. class because I'm like, what do you mean you're persecuted? You all go to Harvard and Yale and are all doctors. Yeah. You're all wealthy. You're all well off. You know, you have, you're privileged. But, and, and a lot of Jews in the United States are white, yeah. not all. But they're or, sort of, I think they're also sort of considered white, right? Like, whether you're, whether, that's whether you are, are you considered yeah. white um, if you're Jewish. Yeah. And so then you, you sort of get you get lumped into that category where it's like you're going to be persecuted from everyone. You're persecuted, persecuted is not the right word, but you're going to get shit from everyone. And there's no one you, you don't feel that you can stand up for yourself. I think that's right. sort of the, the sentiment they're getting in that yeah. leads to right. a shift. Um, and I'll just touch on something you said earlier where you're know, talking about the different like, Democratic Party and how it's changing. I think part of the part of the issue is a lot of these Jews feel that you know they used to be able to vote Democrat because they you know the traditional Democratic Party lines, but the party is becoming a lot more progressive. It's becoming a lot more a lot more mm-hmm. left, um, and that scares a lot of people. And that scares and, and you right. see it within the party. The party is not able to control when they take control because that's what they do. They were not able to control AOC the way they, they would have been able to control someone else like her. Um, and you see the difference. I mean, they kicked, basically told Bernie, stop campaigning. And he listened. Uh, um, Awa, but don't you feel, because I, I feel like the Republican Party, when it was still, when Romney, for example, was running, right? I felt like it was oh. much less right than it is now. You know what I mean? So I see, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but I'd say that the other side is in the same, in the same yeah, way. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's also cyclical, well. but the Republican Party can't control Donald Trump. 
It's it's very it's it's very clear because he and the only reason no they cannot a Republican is because they didn't want him running as an independent. The only reason he was very willing in 2016 when he made his announcement, he said, "I'll either run Republican or mm-hmm. run independent." And they said, "Well, if he runs independent, he can take votes from us, and then Hillary, and then Hillary will get elected, or worse, we'll have an independent president in office." And we lose all credibility as a party. So I said, okay, be part of the party. You won't get past the primaries. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think in retrospect, exactly. they were like, maybe that was I mean, the best yeah. idea we've ever had. If you look, I mean, uh, Bloomberg, right. theoretically, he's a Republican. I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's a capitalistic, mm-hmm. you know, right-leaning person who's like, you know what? I'm going to do the Trump thing, but on the Democrat side. Um, didn't work for him, but yeah, but also a lot, of, but also a lot of it is in five minutes. Right? <laughs> he he lost in a, five minutes. Had a great one. I believe he could have gone even farther, and you know he he was he had a good he had a strong strong base, and that scared the Democratic Party. They believed he couldn't beat Trump, and so they basically told him stop running. If it was AOC, she would have said no. And so the party's getting scared, which means the voters are getting scared. And you're going to see in like a decade from now, someone like AOC, probably yeah. AOC in like a decade or two, is going to run for president. Like, you know, she, you know, she is. Is she going to win? I don't know. Um, and my, I think one of my biggest criticisms of her specifically is that she's very into the um, purity politics of things. Where she like dropped out of the Rabin Memorial because Rabin was, you know, not great to the Palestinians. And it's like, oh, I didn't know. And yeah. she left. And it's like, but, but that scares these people. Uh, it, 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 it really terrifies them. But, you know, going back to someone like Bloomberg. I was, I was excited to vote. My for parents would happily vote for Bloomberg. I was excited to vote. I like, he, he, he was my so last. Many, like, but. <laughs> Whatever. Yes, he would. He like much better than De Blasio. He, was a great he did B- better he, than De Blasio. Amazing, like one of the <laughs> biggest companies today, right? Like he's done. He, he knows business. He knows how to run uh, a company. Mm-hmm. He knows how to be in politics. Like he, he, for me, that's the person I want. I want someone who's business minded but knows the political game enough to get things done. I will say this about Bloomberg. He does understand. He doesn't understand, but he does acknowledge that there is racism in the United States. And was, I don't, I'm not saying that he would yeah. be good at tackling it, but he acknowledges its existence. He's also very pro-gay and like, he's not like a terrible person, but he wouldn't have been my first choice. I would, you know, if it was between him and Trump, I, I obviously yeah. would have chosen Bloomberg because he's a competent person. You know, you know what I mean? Like, he's competent. Like, that's what you, like, if anything, like, my viewpoint, a lot of my viewpoints go down, boil down to the fact 100. that Donald Trump is not a competent president. He is not a good president in either. Yeah. So Bloomberg would have been at least able to handle the country. He has, like, a very tech, uh, uh, tech what, what's the word? Wow, I'm blanking. Um, uh, basically, he's able to handle the country. Yeah. Um, especially probably even during a pandemic. Um, but I would have seen if Bloomberg was the the option because Bloomberg right away called Bernie's um, Bernie's like platform communist in the first debate. That probably would have gotten yeah. him a lot more. One hundred percent from the from Republicans. But um, we're stuck with yeah. we're stuck with what we have. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so just a few more things about like why uh, some Jews vote for Trump. Um, we definitely see this with other uh, POC groups, voting groups in the United States. You see that Latinos for Trump. Uh, there are uh, Indian Americans who are more conservative. There are black Americans that are more conservative a lot of it is is mostly the men are are the ones that are voting conservative and the women aren't and i don't know 
I don't know if that is true with Israeli Americans because I feel like both the men and their women are more conservative. Maybe the women are a little bit less conservative or less right leaning, but still would vote for Trump. What yeah, do you think? I, so I I see this also internally in in some family discussions, and and it really is so that the mm-hmm. men are really more forefront on that. And I think that the reason for that really is that they're mm-hmm. thinking more about, you know, their businesses and, and their money and where that's going and, you know, um, possibly, possibly other reasons. And I think that women are also thinking more about issues that, you know, are really more relevant to their families. Like they're thinking about healthcare, they're thinking about um, abortions, they're thinking about, um, right. you know, Roe versus Wade. They're, they're, those are things that concern them. Um, they're worried about education um, and and everything around that. So I feel like they're so, I feel like they have different principles in a sense. Um, and it's interesting because even when I try to ask these people, you know, what what's going on? Like, why do you think this way? Um, they just, you know, they, they just, it, to them, it's also like, I don't even know enough about this. But from what I've seen in the debates, I'm leaning towards Trump. Um, and I feel like that's such a right. weird way. I mean, I feel, I don't know. I think it's so weird that folks aren't, you know, deep diving into this stuff um, and instead are just, you know, they're just looking at it as a, as a, by the way. Yeah. I think also uh, back into the abortion thing, like, so a lot of Israeli women, Israelis in general are not anti-abortion. So my family doesn't really give yeah. a shit about it. Uh, but a lot of, you know, like my mother and my, and my aunt are like very for, you know, women having the right to choose and do what they want with their body. They don't, you know, and there is a sense of like Israeli women independence, like Israeli women are like, you know, there's, there's a lot of misogyny in Israeli relationships and Israeli family structures. However, I do think Israeli women take on a role of independence and they are very strong women um, and they don't like to be shut up. So they like to take control of their lives. They're like, no man is going to tell me what to do with my body. So they, I would tell you this, my mom and my aunt were not happy about the, uh, the Supreme Court. Nominee. Yeah, it's, I mean. You know, they were not, yeah. Rightfully so. And, but they were happy with everything Trump did for Israel. Yeah. And, and liter- the literal conversations I have with them. But yeah, you have to acknowledge what he did for Israel. It's all it's show. Like, Come on, it's all show. Like, all what the show. fuck? Everything else is shit. <laughs> There's it, like, even like my mom with COVID, my mom studied science. He's like, he had such a terrible response. He's so anti science. But I don't know if I like Joe Biden because look at Israel. And it's like, oh my God, like, like we live here right now. We're in the middle of a yeah. pandemic. You know, like you're even complaining about it. Um, and I think I think one of the last things that is a driver is Islamophobia, where, you know, there there's a rule right now in, in one of my family WhatsApps because I, I made a stink and I said I'm I'm leaving like like add me back after after like the a week after like results are announced like let it cool down a bit, and and then there was a rule immediately like okay no more no more like politics discussion in the mm-hmm. whatsapp group because it got really intense um i think a big driver of what people are like why israelis specifically are not i mean israelis specifically are not voting for biden voting for trump is islamophobia they think that there's going to be a muslim takeover they see what's going on in in places like france they see how um democrats are like say everyone is human and everyone should have rights and including Muslims in America, which is obviously correct. Like they shouldn't be oppressed or, or have their rights taken away or blocked from entering the country just because of their religion. Um, but a lot of Israelis like think that there's going to be a Muslim takeover in the next 20 years or something along the lines of that, where that's it for the Jews because all Muslims hate Jews because they hate Israel, but also like, all our families, including your family, has lived under Muslim rule and had a not so great yeah. outcome from and that. Just, I can say my parents feel the same way. Just thinking about that. Of course, they're traumatized. You know, like my, you know, my family does not trust Muslims because they come from 
two Arab countries that were that had that still have Muslim rule and they lived under Muslim rule where they didn't have full rights. So they they attribute that to all Muslims around the world where if they're Muslims, they automatically assume that Muslims want to impose Sharia law in the United States and want to kill Jews and all of that. Yeah. So I definitely think that's a big yeah, aspect which is, of it. You know, it's crazy because I feel like uh, today I, I feel so differently. And I and I even I look at Muslims as, as these people that are like aligned with me on all of the issues that we, and we just feel the same mm-hmm. way about everything. And I'm just like, you know, when I see somebody Muslim, too, I automatically get this feeling of like, oh, that person will better understand how I'm feeling about something. You know what I mean? And. It yeah, so, I agree. And that's just like, it's so weird to think that like, I don't know, like the way that I think the thinking process that I have is so different than how, you know, our families think. But the way we grew up, basically, the what was, in, what was embedded in yeah, our brain. Yeah, but I feel like they, um, I feel like, yeah. you know, my family embedded in my brain that, you know, it, that they weren't good and that I shouldn't come near them and you know, and right. yeah, and now exactly. I feel like none of that is relevant. Like none of that stuck in me, like <laughs> none of that worked, but I, you know, and I, and I felt even more of a, of a sense of solidarity with Muslims when the Muslim ban was happening, right? I was more concerned about what was going on with them and what was happening and, and why this could be happening to them than I was on a lot of other issues. And I, I don't know why that is, but it's, you know, in, in a way I just felt, I feel more connected to them. I feel like, you know, there's, a part of me that also wants to protect them. If somebody says something wrong to them or somebody treats them, you know, poorly in front of me, I want to, you know, I want to stick up for them. Um, and it's, it's hard to think that, you know, how, how did we get to this place instead of how we were supposed I wanna, to be I think uh, right. trained our entire lives? I don't know. No, I agree. And I also think part of it is just like, as Jews, the trauma we've, you know, all our families, like most Jews, like in the past hundred years, maybe I'll exclude American Jews from this, but Jews outside the United States, most of them in the past, I would say 80 years, had some family trauma where their family was uprooted, either with the Holocaust or, or being from the Middle East, like, like us. So, you know, my grandparents were uprooted from where they lived. And if you have like my Ashkenazi friends, especially in Israel, like they're, their families faced faced atrocities in the Holocaust. And we kind of take these experiences and we apply it to to our viewpoints today. Um, I guess as progressive Jews, where we're like, okay, we see this country trying to ban an entire religion from entering the United States. The first thing that comes to mind is Nazi Germany. You know, and we want to stop that. Like, we don't believe that, you know a single religious group in the United States should be singled out or, or anywhere in the, you know, in the world based on their religion. Just, just because, you know, you have these ideas of the, these stereotypes of this, these religions because people have stereotypes of Jews and still have stereotypes of Jews. And that's what led to the Holocaust. Um, okay. I think that it, we should wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Cool. I agree. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, AY. Thank you. And today. I was going to say, I agree 100% with what you're saying. You. Yeah. Can you hear me? Do we lose AY? Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, everyone, take care. Uh, this is the last uh, episode before the election, so go vote. Uh, hopefully, good news. If not, um, America will be a dumpster Bye. fire. And we'll yeah, see you next time.